Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. A message of truth, of truth that many of have experienced sitting here in this building tonight. Amen. I'm glad that you're in the house of the Lord. Glad I'm in the house of the Lord. And I pray that His Spirit will touch our lives together tonight. I'm going to ask you to stay with me and uh, join me in Matthew 13 and verse number 44. Uh, just a couple of reminders. Our department director, please don't forget this coming Saturday, 10 a.m., our session will, will, will begin. And uh, ask you to bring all your thoughts and ideas and plans for 2015 with you. And uh, also for this coming uh, Thanksgiving, HAC Thanksgiving dinner, there is a sign for you, and uh, if you will be so kind to go by there and sign as to what you will be bringing, they, those that are in charge of that would greatly appreciate that. Also want to ask you to pray for uh, Brother and Sister Cooper. Maybe uh, some of you know already, Sister Cooper are going to be moving uh, on the 22nd of this month. They're going to be going to uh, Illinois with their son, Philip and Lois, and uh, just pray that God will touch them and keep his hand upon them. They do not need to be by themselves. And uh, so we just ask the Lord to touch them. It will be an adjustment for them. Uh, change sometimes is not easy for young folks. And uh, so let's just ask the Lord to touch them and help them to be able to adapt that. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to touch them. They've been very, very faithful uh, for decades right here at this church. And I know for many years we have not been able to see them as consistently as they have been due to their health and various things. Let's just pray and ask God to keep his hand upon and uh, as they make this transition. If you have your Bibles again, the book of Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 44. Let's just read several parables here uh, of the Lord. The Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. For the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea, and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. So it shall be in the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have you understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. 
Then he said unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth out of his treasure things and old. I want to go back and read verse number 44, and it is from actually this parable that I want to speak this evening. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Amen. I want to speak to you this evening from this thought, no treasure without the field. No treasure without the field, and you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. This passage deals with primarily the nature of mankind. There are several parables here that are linked as such. They sort of intersect one another. It deals with, verse 44, primarily the finding and the possessing of a treasure. The Bible says that this man, when he had found the treasure, sold everything that he had. And then the scripture says that he bought that field, speaking of that field in its entirety. For the sole purpose, he bought the whole field for the sole purpose of gaining the treasure. The parables of Jesus are uh, very intriguing to me because uh, in many respects, just from uh, the vantage point of reading through them, the parables of the Lord are just common stories. It's a cup with a handle, so to speak. It's something that every man can relate to and certainly every man of that hour. While we may kind of look at the scripture often curiously because we don't maybe understand the exact culture of the day. Jesus was speaking directly into the heart and to the mind of the everyday man and the everyday woman. He spoke right into their lives, right where they lived. It wasn't a mystery to them, the things that he spoke of. And although the stories were very common and although they were not insulting to say the least, but although they were very common, they had a very profound heavenly meaning. I think it's um, far more than irony that we can read those parables today and still see the common sense approach to the parable, but we can also see the profound heavenly meaning. I think even today, because of the makeup of man, certainly... Uh, I think we would all agree that we love illustrations. Illustrations kind of brings home, bring home a thought. It, it centers us around something. And so often uh, we may insert illustrations in the beginning, the middle, or the end of a message just to kind of bring everything into focus as to what we're talking about or dealing with. I think there's several things to consider in this parable and I'm not going to try to exhaust them all, but one thing that stands to me in the center of this story is found in the fact that many people are very interested in the treasure, but they're not all that interested in the field. But the Bible says the man sold everything that he had to buy that field. And he bought that field in its entirety. Amen. Many times people want the blessing, but they're not really interested in all they have to go through to get it. 
Amen. Jesus is making one central point. That's what I want to focus on tonight. And that is this. You can't have the treasure unless you buy the whole field. The field represented in this parable is the hard work that's involved in order to gain the treasure. We're going to have access to the treasure and we've just got to go buy the field. We've got to buy into the concept of that. That man could not have just marked out on a parcel and said, I just want to buy just this three foot by three foot section because really and truly, depending on what size the treasure was, he could have just marked it out and said, this is what I want because that's really where his interest was. But the scripture says that he bought the whole field. Amen. There's a lot of things that are involved in getting to the treasure. It's not uncommon to hear people say things like, we'd like to have a revival church. Amen. I say that. I feel that way. And I think people are wanting to be a part and belong to something. I think most people would agree with that in, this, in the context of which we say that and mean that. However, we realize, we have to realize that revival is really the treasure. It's not the feel. There's a whole lot that goes along with that. Sometimes when people talk about a revival church, what they really have in mind is they want a church where there's never a boring moment. <laughs> never a mundane service. We're just never marching to the beat of the drum. They want always something fresh, something exciting, something that kind of bedazzles them at every turn and every twist. Always something new. No dead flies in the ointment. Nothing that would ever constitute just marching through. Amen. And making it all matter. But all of that really and truly is the treasure. It's part and parcel of it all. It's the highs and the lows, the good times and the bad times. You see, in order to get the treasure, you have to buy the field. It's a package deal. The field, in the context of a, of a revival church, and a revival church is not a foreign entity. Revival churches are made up of revival individuals, revival people that positively and that are prayerful. And so in order to, in order to get that, is going to take the field, and the field in this illustration represents faithfulness and prayer and fasting and commitment to the Word of God because you see there is where the key ingredients of revival lie. The key ingredients of revival in, in the truest sense is not in how well-oiled programs are or how well-organized something may be or how well-administered a program may be. A revival is going to be the end result of prayer and fasting, commitment to the Word of God, Commitment to the will of God, commitment to the call of God, good times and bad times, we had to put ourselves into the book. And so often we want the treasure, but we're not really that interested in buying the field. But the good times are directly connected to the bad times. You can't separate them out. You have to buy it all if you're going to get the treasure. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs 27, he says, iron sharpeneth iron. And so, um, and so, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. And so even if sparks fly among friends, you're still friends at the end of the day. Amen. It's the good and it's the bad. Now, there's not a one of us that don't have some friends or perhaps something about every friend that we wouldn't tweak or change just a little bit if we could. But you see, that's just not how it works. If you're going to have the good you're going to have to accept the bad. And the odd part of that is, is that means that somebody's accepting the bad about you and I. Can you imagine that? 
Amen. It's not always easy, but that's just part of buying the field. Too many people want the treasure of friendship, but they don't really want to buy into the field. They want, don't want to be bothered. I, I know that many times there's a price associated to friendship, a price, a, a literal price. I'm not just talking about uh, I'm not just talking about random things, but many times there's a literal price. We have several friends, and so when their children get married, the, a part of the friendship, a cost of friendship is that we, we are obligated, and we want to be obligated. I don't want to make that sound bad, but we want to buy their, their, their child a gift for their wedding or for their shower. When they have children, we want to rejoice in that with them. And, and so all, all of that just can't be done with a click of a like button on Facebook. Every now and then you've got to pay for it. That's right. And so many times people want the treasure of friendship, but they're not really willing to buy into the field. When you think about friends, friends the Bible is of stories, and it's hard to extract one out. But I think certainly in my, in my opinion, and that's all this is, but in my opinion this evening, I think when we talk about friends in the Word of God, among the top of the list, among the very top of the list, You'd have to find David and Jonathan. What a true friendship. A true friendship. There were so many opportunities for Jonathan not to have an affection for David. Just one, if you would think about for a moment, with Saul as the king and Jonathan as his son, he stood heir to Judge Israel. He stood heir to be the next king of Israel. And all of that changed one day when a shepherd boy was summoned from a shepherd's field. And when he marched out into, into the battlefield with nothing more than just a little bit of lunch in his hands to check on his brothers, and the next thing we know, he is not only in a battle with Goliath, but he is winning the victory over Goliath. And, and with, with, with this, the complexion of things start changing. The future of Jonathan begins to change exponentially. But nothing ever changed the passion that they felt for one another as friends. So when you think about the jealousy or the animosity that could have been there, I mean, this was his father that they were singing about. This was his father that the, the people were talking about when they said that Saul has killed thousands, but David his ten thousands. That was his father. That was his flesh and blood. And yet somehow they had made a commitment that you will look out for one another. We're going to watch one another. And Jonathan understood emphatically, though he no, never could understand, I'm sure, how it was all going to play out. Jonathan knew down the road how somewhat the end would be. He didn't know how it was all going to play out, but he realized that my father is a marked man and David is an anointed man. Our lives are going to be radically changed or my life is going to be radically changed. And so he made a covenant with David even in the face of the opposition of his father that we're going to be friends. And he said, I want you to remember me and I want you to remember my family when you come into your kingdom. And there was a very specific reason for that because in that culture it was not uncommon at all that when one king uh, would take the the throne of another king that he would completely annihilate 
the family of the first king. He would destroy everything, every seed that there was. And so Jonathan said, I want you to remember my seed when you come into that. I want you to understand that, that I realize you're the king. And although Jonathan could have been jealous and there could have been a tremendous a measure of angst and, and disagreement, they, they still stayed together. Their souls were knit together. Even against his own father, David stood in the opposition. Uh, Jonathan stood rather in great opposition. I recently mentioned Onesimus in the, in the New Testament and Paul referred to him as a son. That's how Paul referred to him. And he said, for he ministered to me in bonds. And so when you think about another set of friends, you certainly would think about Paul and Onesimus. This was a man that would visit Paul in prison and it wasn't easy to find somebody in prison in this day. You had to go to some trouble. You had to go search. You had to find out. You couldn't certainly look it up on the, online. You certainly couldn't make any phone calls. And so when you, when you think about what this man had to do just to find where Paul was being incarcerated, that he would go and he would minister to him, Paul said, in my bonds. What a great friend. That would not be ashamed of him just because things were not going his way. Things were not going well at all. This man went to some trouble to encourage Paul. He didn't just encourage him because it was convenient or because it was right next door. I don't have to tell you this, but friends like that don't come along every day. Somebody that will just be your friend. I mean a real friend. A friend that loves at all times. A friend that will lift you up in your darkest hour, somebody that will just stand with you. And so by the field, you get the treasure. But if there is no field, there is no treasure. You've got to buy the entire field. You've got to buy it all. And then there's the treasure that comes with that. But beyond the treasure's the small part. It must, and most of the time is going to be the most valuable part. But there's a lot that's attached to the treasure. When you talk about relationships of any sort, there's not any relationship that we ever have that doesn't have its opportunity for trial or, or to be tested. When you think about the treasure of marriage, when you think about the treasure of family, you know, when you, uh, when you live a little while, you attend a few funerals, and when you attend a few funerals, you see how families come together in a time of sorrow, and, and there is a loyalty and a bond, at least in most cases, when people come together, they realize the value of one another. It is brought home. It's kind of highlighted. It's at times like this that you begin to realize the most important thing on earth other than the kingdom of God is my family. And that's the reason the devil hates family. I say this, and it's amazing to me sometimes the, the kind of awkwardness that you feel when you talk about how much opposition there is against the family. It kind of leads me to believe that some people don't agree with that. But I'm going to tell you, the devil hates family. And he's after every marriage and every family he can to destroy that. Amen. He hates the family as much as he hates the church because of what the family represents because family was God's idea and he's opposed to every idea that God has ever had. And so if he can destroy this colony that we call family, if he can destroy this colony of heaven on earth, then he can destroy all things. And so that's why we've got to work very, very diligently to make sure that we preserve those kind of relationships. Amen. In order for that to happen, our priorities have got to be in order. Years ago, I read a quote about marriage from an older minister. I kind of found this a little humorous then and 
find it humorous tonight. He said, he said, and I quote, in our entire marriage, we have never once discussed the issue of divorce, although we have discussed murder on several occasions. <laughs> you laugh because you found yourself there, right? You see, many people want that fond, those fond memories, those deep and wide memories. But they're not really willing to buy the field. They, they, they would like the stories. They would like the trophies. But I'm not sure I'm interested in the field. I, know, I have no idea how many times we may have to refresh or start over, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. You know, from time to time, <clears throat> uh, if you're a PC user, from time to time, if you've been using your computer, if it's been on a long time, every now and then you just got to, we, uh, as a matter of fact, had a, a family relationship series or, or uh, session a few years ago, and we just called it Refresh. F5 on a keyboard is a refresh button. It just kind of shuts everything off and wakes it all back up. And every now and then, we just need a refreshing. We need to just start over again. <clears throat> Amen? <laughs> so how many times you're going to have to start over? I don't know. It'll be worth every how many times it takes. It'll be worth every how many times it takes because you see I'm after the treasure. And so if I'm after the treasure, that means I must embrace the field as well. Time is going to march on and situations and circumstances are going to happen and we just don't get to vote on what comes up about in our lives. There's many people here tonight maybe everybody here tonight to some degree that has question marks in your life about why did you have to go through this certain event or why did this certain thing have to happen to you and, and uh, maybe those are questions that will never be fulfilled. Maybe those are questions that will never be answered on this side of eternity and maybe not ever answered at all. But we know one thing that time marches on and with that comes a lot of great highs and a lot of great lows. Problems are going to come and test are certain, but that's just part of the field. That's just part and parcel. I, I think about our church often, obviously, and I think about the treasures that we have here in this church. I think about the treasure that we have as this church. Amen. But you see, it's not just the treasure. There's a lot of field involved here, a lot of sorrow, a lot of hard work, a lot of labor, a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of dedication and a lot of people that just stayed on the, on the path when others were veering off. That's why we still have a church here today. Because everybody didn't walk off at one time. Or everybody didn't change direction at one time. There was that faithful element that just said we are committed to the cause of this message. And so sacrifice was a part of that. And so whatever it takes, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to make an investment. I want you to understand something and I speak very passionately from my heart tonight when I tell you that it's not lost to me the sacrifices that most made just to be sitting where you're sitting tonight. I don't take that for granted. I don't take that in the, I don't have a cavalier attitude or spirit about that this evening or any time that we're here. I'm aware that there's a lot of sacrifice involved but I also realize that if we want the treasure we're going to have to embrace the field. Amen. We're going to have to embrace the field. And so sacrifice is a part of the field. The kingdom must be first. Well, for sure we know that life is not perfect. And so you have to make the very best of whatever it is that you're walking through. 
I'm going to tell you that if, if you don't have a sense of humor, you ought to buy one. Because it'll help. <laughs> it won't fix everything, but if you learn to laugh at yourself, you'll never be without anything to laugh about. That's for sure. <clears throat> I learned that a long time ago. Life's not perfect. And so we have to make the very best of what we can out of what we're going through. One thing that I've discovered about life is this. It's often seasonal. Not, not always. I understand some things move in to stay. But for the most part, what I'm walking through right now is just where I am today. This is just where I am today. And so if I, I don't want to bank everything that I have on where I am today. I want to realize this is just today's journey. And so I, I, one thing that causes us to struggle is the, is the we live in a time, an hour, where, where change is so easy for us. I'm not attempting to be cynical, but we live in a world of almost instant everything. It's true. And that, that has a play upon our entire lives, even our spiritual lives. Instant everything. I'm not attempting to be cynical, but so many times you see the youth of today that want everything that their parents have now. Not realizing the supreme and extreme sacrifices that many parents have made just to be where they are. A lot of sacrifices were involved just to be where where they are today. And... and uh, but many people want something for nothing. <laughs> and that's just not how it happens. That's not how life works. Can, can I get a, at least a, I'd settle for a week amen at this point. <clears throat> it's the process of the field. It's the process of what you have. Uh, again, not bemoaning anything, but I, I've watched, I, I learned something very, very early on in life. I remember being in school and, and seeing people that were just at 14 and 15 or 16 years old just handed a new a keys to a brand new vehicle. And I watched how they treated that vehicle versus somebody that was grunting their own payments out. I began to see life through a different lens. There was a greater appreciation for that where somebody had something invested. As, as some put it, they had a little skin in the game. And it helps to have a little skin in the game. And so the process of the field, there's something to be garnered and cherished about that. This is where you find the treasure. It's the field. It's the, uh, the things that we don't appreciate many times. It's the sacrifice and the effort that goes into it. In a world that is so filled with variableness, I'm so thankful for constants in my life. Amen. I, I, I try very hard to thank the Lord daily for parents that were faithful to church and the kingdom of God. Amen. That, I mean this with all my heart. I know I mention it a lot. I, I hope it never comes across as a boast. I don't mean it that way. But I always try to say thank you, Lord, for parents that were faithful. They weren't parents that were perfect. They were parents that were faithful. And when the church doors were open, and that was never even discussed in our home. I don't ever remember one time deciding, trying to figure out whether or not we're going to church. I'm thankful for that as an adult. I've been thankful for that a long time. Amen. Going to church wasn't an option. It was just if the doors were open, we were there, plain and simple. I've often said that mom and dad just looked for places to go to church, and they drug us along. 
Somebody was talking about, forgive me if you're here tonight, but somebody, and I, because I don't remember who this was exactly, but somebody just mentioned recently about uh, in their younger years of living for the Lord about just going to church everywhere. And, and uh, you know, the, the kids just slept where they could. They slept under the bench in the floorboard on the way home. Or uh, a lot of, lot, there's some folks here probably slept in the back dash of the car on the way home. And you live to tell it. Think about that. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the constants. Amen. They were there. Amen. This evening I'm appealing to commitment and depth. Amen. That can that that being faithful can bring into our lives. I'm appealing to that. Because if we don't have the field, there will never be a treasure. And so I can't just fall in love with that. I gotta fall in love with what it takes to get that. The faithfulness, the the consistency. We're never going to get the treasure unless we buy the field. Now be warned of this. The field is never an easy thing. But it's from the ugliness of the dirt that produces the beauty of the harvest. I'm thankful for the treasure of the church. I've watched people go through things in their lives and, and, uh, and so many times that would you, you just watch through time and circumstances. You watch people go through things and sometimes things prohibit them from being able to even attend church like they have in, their, in times past. And you see that longing in their eyes. I've sit in their homes or in hospitals or sometimes even in nursing homes and, and you visit with them and you see the longing in their eyes just to be in the house of God one more time. Just to hear a song one more time. Just to be in another worship service. Just one more camp meeting or one more prayer meeting, whatever the case may be. Amen. Many talk about heaven and all of its glory. That's the treasure. And I would agree with that. That is the treasure. But if I'm going to make heaven my home, I've got to buy that field. I've got to buy the lump sum package, everything that comes with it. Bramble bushes and briars and all. I've got to buy that. If I want the treasure, I have to realize that it is directly connected to the field. And you can't get the treasure without buying the field. The field is the gospel. The field is just staying in church. The field is just staying committed. The field is just being consistent. Amen. Church is more than just feeling good. I had a good a good pastor friend of mine called me just a few days ago and when I answered the phone, he just said, I don't need but just a minute of your time. He said, but I was just talking to an elder uh, pastor and minister and he said, he shared something with me and I just got to tell you this and when I tell you, we can we can go on about our day and I was very busy and in a place of business and wasn't able to talk but just a few minutes and, and he said, he said, I was just speaking to an elder and he said, one of the young men in the church came to him and said, you know, I just want to be used of God and I want to know what you would have me to do. I want to know how I could be a blessing to you in this church. And he said that pastor looked at the young man and said, if you really want to be a blessing to me and here's what you can do to help me, I need you to help me be an example. I want you to be an extension of me. I want you to be an example of faithfulness and righteousness and holiness and I want you to be a I want you to be an example of that so if you really want to do something to help the church I want you to be an example 
I'm not sure that's what that young man was prepared to hear, but that's what that old elder said. If you want really to be a blessing, I need you. What he was really saying, if you want the treasure, I need you to be willing to buy the field. I need you to just pace yourself and just be a mirror image of what we are trying to commit to here in this church. And so church is more than just feeling good. It's more than just a place where we hope to leave feeling better than we were when we came. But church, as a church, churches go through seasons as well. Just like individuals, just like any relationship, churches go through seasons. I've watched this play out many times through the years. Sometimes we're up. Boy, that always feels good. Man, those Sundays when the ushers are putting out chairs along that back wall, yes. And those Sundays when half the church is on vacation or wherever. I'm not, the vacations, I'm not worried about it. It's the wherevers. That highly concerns me. So sometimes we're up. Man, that feels good. But sometimes we're just a little bit offbeat. And that doesn't feel so good. So churches go through seasons as well. And so that brings a serious question to the table. And that is what are we going to do about this? Amen. What we need to do is this. We need to stay committed to the cause. And stay focused on the goal. Keep our eyes on the Lord. And, and please don't think that I'm just trying to be cliche here, but above all things, have good church. Amen. Whether many or whether few, have good church. Give it our all. Sing with everything you got. Play with everything you got. Teach or preach with everything you got. As a congregation, worship with everything you got. Amen. Have good church. Amen. Let that be the consistent mark because why? We are after the treasure and we realize the treasure is in the field. And tonight or this night or that night or that particular service, that may be the night we're just walking through the dirt, but we're on our way to the treasure because with where there is no treasure, you can't have a treasure without a field. You cannot have a treasure without the field. And so when you look back at the early New Testament church, this is what you find. As long as there were just as long as there were just Jews attending, <laughs> everything was great. That's right. But then all of a sudden they found themselves in Acts chapter ten. Something happened nobody planned on. And that was those aggravating Gentiles got the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden self righteousness come to the surface. And somebody said, what in the world are all these uncircumcised doing among the church? And Simon Peter said, well, wait a minute. In, in chapter 15, they're having a business meeting. They're, they're trying to put all the feathers back on the bird. It's in your Bible. You can read it. Finally, Simon says, didn't they receive the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues? Just like you got the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Amen. <laughs> The field. The field doesn't always have things in it we want. Amen. That was no small stir. You can you can believe that. And so now they they had to decide what they're going to do. What are we going to do about this? They're trying to figure out what was going on because the complexion of the church started changing. While they were perplexed and seeking for answers, if they would have paused long enough, 
They could have heard the voice of Joel. Amen. That Brother Ray talked about. They could have heard the voice of Joel that was prophesying about this day long before it happened because Joel said, in the last days, I am going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so some of this that you're curling your nose up, that you're just calling the field, you forget that's part and parcel of the treasure. Amen. That's part and parcel of the treasure. I want to ask our musicians to come and you think about the price of fellowship. Amen. I mentioned a moment ago friendship. Sometimes you, you have to build some tolerance into your life, not compromise. I think there's a tremendous chasm between tolerance and compromise. But you have to build some tolerances in. I uh, don't want to cross swords with anybody tonight, but when you start talking about zero tolerance, you're painting with a mighty broad brush. Zero tolerance. You see, a little bit of tolerance has to be built into everything or it's going to crumble. The tallest skyscraper you find is going to move a little. If it's built to never move at all, to have zero tolerance, it's one day going to be in a heap. And so... In order to realize the real value of the church, we've got to learn how to appreciate the field. If you're going to really value the treasure, you've got to soon appreciate the field. And not just put all your focus on this one thing and lose sight of everything. Amen. The church is vast. <laughs> the ministries of the church are vast. You know, I think about many times that we... We kind of, and it's not our fault, I, I'm sure that uh, that we are just so North Americanized until we think that everybody ought to be doing it like we're doing. And so sometimes, and this is just an illustration, so sometimes we may have a missionary service and because that missionary didn't get up behind this pulpit and put this microphone down his left lung and take off, we think, well, that wasn't really a good preacher. I don't know if I really like this. don't know if I really like that. But you see, what it takes to have church in North America is not what it takes to have church in other parts of the world. And so God may take someone that we think is just dry and calculated and God may take them to a certain piece of soil on this planet. And they may have more success, as we deem success, than we're having here in America. But you see, God sees the treasure, and he sees the field. And he realizes what will work where. Amen. You know, there's a tremendous difference in having church in, in the south and having church in the north, just in America. Having church in the east and having church in the west. There's a lot of cultures even within our state for that matter. And so God knows exactly what it's going to take to appeal to a certain community or a certain set. And so God puts right there what he's got to have because he realizes there's a treasure in this field. 
And so I don't ever want to take anybody for granted. Never want to take anyone for granted. I've mentioned this as we stand, I'm sure, through the years, but one of the men that I've been really encouraged and inspired by in our district is pastored in the same city for many years and by some standards, maybe some would say, because he's never pastored a large church, they may put him here or there on a scale of success or failure. But this same man for many, 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 many decades, years, several decades, has been also a writer, a contributor to the adult Sunday school literature of our organization. And I've often thought about, Sister Baggett, I've often thought about the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have been encouraged and strengthened and even given direction and guidance through his writings. Amen. Part of the field. But that field is going to lead us to the treasure. And so before we write somebody off or discount somebody as this or that, we need to realize that there will be no treasure without the field. We've got to have the whole if we're going to get the good. Amen. May the Lord touch us tonight. Would you just pray right where you are and ask God to help you where you stand in your life. Help me to be the light. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.